African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Welcome to African Dialogue. South African President Cyril Ramaphosa's investment drive saw domestic and international business pledge hundreds of billions in investment over the next few years. Ramaphosa announced a combined amount of 290 billion rand in investments in South Africa. The pledges came as Ramaphosa hosted more than 1,000 local and international business leaders as part of his drive to raise more than 100 billion US dollars in investments in the next five years. Now, the investment cut commitments span across sectors such as mining, telecommunications, media and manufacturing. To help us unpack this discussion for today, we are joined on the line by Peter Lobscher, who is a consulting economist at the Bureau of Economic Research, and Terry Bell, who's a political, economic and labor analyst. Good morning to both of you. Good morning. Good morning, Anna. Um, Peter, let's start with you. I mean, the main reason behind this conference was to raise money for the country. Was it successful? I would, I would certainly um, give it a thumbs up. Um, uh, it's been very successful and definitely in terms of uh, having a very positive impact. Um, I think uh, we'll see that um, in, on, on business conference. Um, it certainly uh, highlighted the, the opportunities that are available in South Africa. Um, we 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 have to we have to be um, uh, even handed in terms of of how the, the <clears throat> these plans will materialize. Mm. Um, that that is something we can discuss. But but uh, as a as a uh, uh, confidence boosting um, and uh, uh, announcing the the sort of uh, fo- focus on the return of the focus on the economy. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, the the, 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 the the starting to building uh, the process of um, restoring economic policy certainty. It's, it's in my mind, it's been a huge success. Mm-hmm. Terry, what are your thoughts? Uh, do you agree with with Peter? Very good public relations exercise, but the devil, you know, is always is in the detail. 290 billion rand sounds fantastic and was presented really as a sudden great inward surge of capital that was going to create growth and and therefore jobs. But uh, that's not so. I mean, in the first place, the largest announced pledge came from Anglo-American, that was uh, Mm -hmm. $6 billion. Uh, There's little or nothing new in that. I mean, this is money already budgeted in many cases toward essential maintenance of existing mines and already planned expansion. Yes, it does sort of push forward confidence as this one-day hype, the one-day extravaganza in Sanson. But, you know, like much of the labor movement, I think I'm rather concerned about it. When Tito Mbuweni delivered the government's medium-term budget statement, he made it clear that the leaky boat of what I think of as South Africa Incorporated is well and truly up the creek without a paddle. And President Ramaphosa's investment summit was supposed to provide that paddle, and I don't think it's, it's, it's turned up at all. Mm. So what were the highlights for you then? 
well, there were no highlights. It's mm. something that one expects with the, from a politician before the before with an election coming up that you have to boost. I think, unfortunately, we are in the same position as we have been before, and that is we have a government that is continuing to think in 20th century terms while trying to deal with the realities of the digital 21st century. And quite honestly, I think the problem is that the very policies that have got us into this mess, and globally that applies, um, are still, still being pursued. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Peter, you know, Terry's saying that there were no highlights, great highlights for him. But but this morning on, on um, one of the radio stations, I heard Trudy Makanya, who's the economic advisor of the president, saying that 70% of the investors were local, while 30 were was international. Now, given the fact that this was a domestic investment conference, um, would you say that this is a, is, is a, is a good thing? Well, certainly, I mean, we can do with both <clears throat> foreign direct investment and um, local investment. I, I would differ in, uh, from the view that this is just uh, more of the same. Um, it's certainly new, you know. Uh, Mr. Mubeni also made it quite clear in his uh, medium-term budget statement that the economy is at a crossroads. Mm. It's been at a crossroads um, since the ANC National Leadership Conference. And what we've seen here is a very powerful um, beacon uh, of, of where the new leadership uh, are, are intending to take this country. And in that regard, this is, this is something new. It's something exciting. I don't, I don't necessarily go for the hype around, around this. I see uh, new initiatives coming onto the table um, I see uh, more, more policy consistency, uh, which has been one of the main reasons why we, we got into this, this, this bad situation. Mm-hmm. I can also just mention that um, uh, there is right in terms of uh, the, 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 new, uh, the, the fact that many of these investments that were announced are not new investments. Mm. We have to put that in perspective. Uh, that's correct not to get too excited about the big numbers. Um, if, you, if you take into account that um, at the moment South Africa is investing $900 billion annually, um, that's about 18% of our GDP. Now, if the $290 billion that was announced all happen new and next year, that will take us to the 25% of GDP uh, investment rate, and, and that is actually where we were in 2008, at the end of 2008. So um, one has to put that into perspective, but, but having said that, mm. uh, there, there, there's in my mind um, uh, a, a clear uh, indication of the direction that we are going, uh, and it's, a, it's a, 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 the building of a modern industrializing economy. Certainly, got, got um, a very important um, message uh, at the invest mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Now, now, Terry, we, we can't run away from the fact that um, under former President Jacob Zuma, the economy was also blemished with corruption, and this could also be some of the reasons why uh, we're going through what we're going through as a country economically. Um, I mean, but do we know? whether those who pledged um, those uh, financial commitments had some conditions uh, for South Africa? 
in terms of maybe They'll cleaning up be, our act? Yes. No, there will always be conditions. The point is, you know, the people under Zoom are with the Guptas, etc. Really, these are smash-and-grab raids, as I see it. Mm. The point is, you've got... State has always, states have always been captured by a particular ideology, a big business ideology, which is part of this whole what's been dubbed the neoliberal consensus or the Washington consensus or neoliberalism, whatever. The point, quite simply, is that we should never forget that economic growth does not automatically translate into jobs. Mm. And quite the contrary often, I mean, especially in the digital age. So the call actually is now for greater productivity. And that means competing with often slave labor conditions in, in countries like, well, I don't know, Bangladesh, Vietnam, yes, and even including China. Now, I'm not saying that any country can be an island entire unto itself. What I am suggesting is that what we need, short of a truly radical and social and economic transformation, is a more nuanced approach that does not continue to buy into this anarchic so-called free market ideology. I would agree, of course, with my fellow panelists, mm. that at least we have some policy consistency instead of the incredible lunatic ad hocism we've been dealing with in the past. I'd like to take a quick break and then we just come back to that point. You know, how does it translate into jobs? Because um, that's some of one of the things that President Ramaphosa tried to highlight to say he wants to recover the economy. He wants to instill investor confidence, but also to create jobs, um, especially for the local local um, economy. Let's take a break and we'll pick up after that. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it's one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1,000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, it's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. Yeah. Welcome back to African Dialogue. I'm Mayanda Mkwanazi. Now remember that African Dialogue comes to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time. You're also welcome to interact with us via Twitter at Channel Africa, Facebook, or you can simply SMS your views to plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. 
or if you want to email us, please send us an email at info at channelafrica.org. Now, we're discussing the South African Investment Conference, which took place the past three days in South Africa. Really a drive by the president um, to raise money for the economy, to recover the economy, to create jobs, which is, I think, what most South Africans want to see out of all of this investment. And on the line, we are joined by Peter Lobscher, who is a consulting economist at the Bureau of Economic Research. We're also joined by Terry Bell, who's a political economist economic and labor analyst. Now, before the break, Terry, I mean, you spoke about um, economic growth not really translating into jobs. But I think, you know, as ordinary South Africans who are sitting in, in, in a place where you are wanting to, to create empl- employment for yourself or looking for a job, and you hear that so much money has been invested in your country, how do, how do we translate it or make it materialize into something that people can, can see tangible? Well, the point very simply is that we've been <laughs> hacking away as if there were normal jobs going as there would in the past, going back 50 or 60 years even. Mm. The point is today with the digital revolution, no one has seems to have come to terms with yet. Yeah. They talk in terms now, and Phil Ramaphosa certainly did so, when he said that these companies would be investing here would also be upskilling our youth. Mm. Upskilling to what? Which jobs? Spell this out. Give us the details. You see, under the present circumstances, this does not, increased investment does not necessarily translate to jobs at all. In fact, perhaps we're taking the whole matter the wrong way around. Mm. We shouldn't be looking at economic policy. We should be looking perhaps at the greater democratization of the economy in such a way that the wealth, and this is still a relatively wealthy country, although developing in in classic terms, um, yet we have more than half the population living in poverty, mm. not having enough to eat in a country which is actually supposedly still self-sufficient in food. These are severe problems, and they need radical solutions. And we have none in sight. All we have is pursuing the same liberal macroeconomic policies that have got us into this mess in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter, what are, what, are, what are your thoughts? I mean, going um, into these investments, how do we see them materialize? How do we make them into something tangible, given this digital revolution that um, Terry has already alluded to? Yes, well, um, certainly there's, <clears throat> there's, there, there are all types of challenges in the labor market um, in, the, in the current um, uh, conditions. Um, I, I was encouraged at the summit, uh, the emphasis that Mr. Ramaphosa put on, on public-private sector Participation. Mm. Uh, that to me is, is certainly it's it's not it's not the old style uh, liberal type of um, free market policy. It's uh, it's uh, it's, uh, it's got a, a very different focus. And, and 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 in the second place, the, the focus to me on infrastructure investment, uh, which tends to be labour intensive, um, is also uh, very encouraging. And it's, it's, we're talking about infrastructure investment that will hopefully be, be driven um, in a way that, that we'll see delivery. Um, and uh, so I think uh, the, the, the public-private sector participation, especially in the SOE field, mm. uh, is also good um, uh, for, 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 well, it may not be in the, in the short term, good for, for uh, employment, 
because you may may see some uh, um, uh, uh, attrition uh, in that sector, but in the in the longer term, it is certainly um, if we get our infrastructure and our utilities um, back in full, into full health again, uh, that will be good for employment. And I think for the rest, um, the emphasis uh, is also uh, on training. Mm-hmm. And we, we have to train and retrain our workers for the new types of jobs that are coming up. That's been the historical pattern. Uh, we, we need to do that. That's a very hard job. Um, and I think finally I just want to add um, economic growth in itself to, to generate that is a very difficult thing. Uh, it's not something that you just pluck out of the air. Uh, it's a hard thing. It's mm-hmm. hard working. It, it, it requires consistency and follow through. Um, and and uh, combined with that um, is job creation. I mean, we uh, we certainly uh, it's not an easy easy task that we have, but uh, and it's not going to uh, overnight. Um, we're going to see uh, a huge change. It's going to be a slow and a hard grind, but certainly we we are embarking on the right road. I think mm. um, following following the summit. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and I really think that um, we have the ability to, to turn the ship around even though it's, it's going to be a, a long and a difficult task. Mm. Um, Peter, which areas do you think we should be prioritizing in terms of assisting this economic uh, boost that we need in South Africa right now? Um, I think, I, 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 for me, in the first place, I think, uh, you know, the focus at the moment to get uh, in the realm of confidence, the policy certainty, mm. and all of those areas, I think that that is important. That is a, it's a almost um, upfront necessity, because what we're seeing is that everybody, um, and I'm not talking about producers only, I'm, I'm also talking about consumers, mm. everybody is in a wait-and-see attitude. Um, nobody is actually <clears throat> moving forward because we are uncertain. And I think if, uh, addressing that is first priority. And I think the summit got that right. Um, certainly the hard work um, lies ahead. Uh, and where do you focus? I'm not particularly um, some, somebody that, that, that uh, wants to select sectors. Mm, mm. But what I know is that we, the, the labor market mismatching our economy uh, between the oversupply of unskilled and semi-skilled labor versus the, the, weak, the, the, the demand for skilled labor. Um, that, that mismatch needs to be addressed. Mm. And that's, I think that's a fundamental problem, and I think Terry will agree with me, um, which we need to address. Um, and I think uh, they we have to uh, correct one of the key imbalances that has developed in our economy over the past couple of years, a number of years, in fact. It's not going back five years, going back ten years and even longer, mm. is that our tradable goods sectors, um, mining, uh, agriculture, manufacturing, has, has fallen behind in relative terms. Mm-hmm. And, and the focus needs to be on those sectors because those sectors absorb the, the, the less skilled um, labor or has the potential to upskill uh, the, the, the less skilled labor. And I think that, that is where, where, where the focus should be. Um, 
and in, in my view, uh, I think that's that's generally accepted, and and it, and it also um, came came through in the summit. Mm-hmm. Um, Terry, listening to 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 Peter and his points, I mean, which areas for you are a priority right now? The point is, he's perfectly correct. There's historically been a mismatch in terms of skills. It's one of the reasons that brought about the change in apartheid, because suddenly they discovered they did not have enough skills and a huge, massive army of semi-skilled and unskilled workers that needed to be brought up. Mm. The point, very simply, is that within the next 10 to 20 years, and there's plenty of data on that, even professional jobs, and significantly, actually, Peter should know that, the one in the States, one of the top jobs is going to go to the economists, mm. which are going to be done by algorithms instead. So the point is, when you talk about upskilling for new jobs, what new jobs? Mm. The point is, what we should be saying is, we now have a new world developing, which is highly automated, highly digitized. Perhaps we should use that very advancing technology to liberate ordinary working people as well. Perhaps we should have three-day working weeks initially Mm. to get used to and have paid at the same rate, etc. Instead, what we have when we say we're pursuing the same process and policies as we went before, although, yes, admittedly, it's better to have policies that are consistent, what we're really saying to turn the ship around, to use Peter's uh, analogy, is that we have to compete with Mm. the cheapest and most productive. What that means, it's part of the race to the bottom. Because, for example, I always use a very simple example of the great sort of um, sportswear makers like Adidas, Nike, etc. They don't even own a factory. They have a small design department, and then they tout around the world for the cheapest possible um, contract, tender, to make their various products. They do it every year. So Thailand may do it one year for two rand fifty a pair of shoes or whatever. Indonesia offers two rand. What this means is mm. it's increased suffering and increased growth in the wage and welfare gap right around the world. We could once again, perhaps in South Africa, if we tackled this thing correctly from the correct point of view, could once again become a beacon of hope rather than just tail on behind the rest of a world that is heading towards a precipice. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we were also looking at, at, at how our economy has really taken a hit this year. It's been sluggish, uh, the decline of the rand. Terry, how, how do you think um, or how long do you think it will take for the country to start showing some positive signs of recovery? I don't think we, the world is showing any positive signs of recovery. And I don't think South Africa, as part of that global economy, is going to as well. In fact, we'll probably suffer a great deal more than we should have, being a country mm-hmm. with extraordinary um, mineral wealth, a country that is basically self-sufficient in food. We should not be in a position that we're in now mm-hmm. with this huge unemployment. Talk of 27% is nonsense because you have to take the expanded definition of those who have not sought work. That's over 36%. But even those, for example, who are regarded as employed, selling a few sweets on a, on a station platform, earning maybe 80 rand or 50 rand a day or whatever, that, to my mind, is hidden unemployment. Mm. Youth unemployment is already agreed is 52 or 54 percent. I mean, this is a complete disaster in the making, and we need some radical new policies, not trying once again to go back to the same policy situations, the same economic ideology that has brought us to this mess in the first place. We need some new, 
radical, innovative ideas. And what I'm saying is they should think, perhaps. Why well, I, I went to the supermarket the other day and saw mm. here is a country, South Africa, that produces a surplus of millies, of maize. Mm. Yet on the shelves, sweet corn, that's millies, yes. canned from Thailand. Mm. Small, what do they have, corn on the cob, mm. from China. Mm. I mean, this is ridiculous. Mm. This all needs to be looked at and needs to be looked at in a proper, authentic way. The trade unions have a role to play here. They've always said we should not be dealing with any countries that do not observe the same rates of pay, labor relations, and human rights as anywhere else. And quite honestly, we're in BRICS with Brazil, which has now gone to the extreme right of radical, homophobic, misogynistic person. Mm. India, under a, a Hindu nationalist, put in in Russia. I mean, really, we're not in very good company, but we could still stand up there. We're still the only liberal parliamentary democracy around within that BRICS setup. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the voice of Terry Bell, who's a political, economic and labor analyst. We're also joined by Peter Lobscher. He's a consulting economist at the Bureau of Economic Research. Let's take the last break and then we just try to wrap the conversation up by looking forward, also throwing ahead to the G20 Africa conference, which is taking place this week in Germany. This is Channel Africa. South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet, and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French, and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalun Yenzovo, and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. Welcome back to African Dialogue. We are tuned in to uh, African Dialogue with myself, Ayanda Mkwanazi. We come to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours. Now, today on the program, we're talking about the South African Investment Conference that took place. And on the line, we're joined by Peter Lobscher, who's a consulting economist at the Bureau of Economic Research, and Terry Bell, who's a political, economic, and labor analyst. Now, now, Peter, just to look forward, we've got the G20 Africa Summit and the African Development Investment Conference coming up. Um, you know, the G20 Africa Summit is in Berlin this week. Does um, President Ramaphosa is expected to make an address? Um, after the results of this week's conference, can he walk into that room, onto that podium, with confidence in the hope to garner more support? Uh, yes, certainly. Uh, I... I, I'm, 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 less, I'm less worried about the ideolo- ideological aspects of um, policy. I mean, we, we're in an age where we have enough examples of what, what has worked and what, what, is, what is not working. Um, so the, the focus is on pragmatism. I think um, that, that uh, uh, and, 
and 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 uh, nothing in the summit um, uh, came to uh, sort of uh, gave me an idea that we we are not uh, uh, planning to deliver. Mm-hmm. So I think he's, he's, he can walk uh, on onto that stage with full confidence that um, he can uh, follow through and um, that and we can uh, build further in this process of of restoring growth to the South African economy. Mm. Uh, Terry, what kind of investment can South Africa and Africa expect from this meeting? And, you know, does Ramaphosa um, hold the investors' confidence? Well, I think, yes, he does. He he represents big business. He is a a businessman in his own right. Mm -hmm. And therefore, he will get the same sort of thing. And also what they've held up is this whole idea of public-private participation. PPP. This takes us back 20 years or so with the whole move towards privatization. That's what it is. It's a matter of fusing uh, business with the state, what's known as state capital in many ways. So nothing would change. Mm-hmm. What it does mean, and I think the unions would probably end up saying this, is it's a matter of trying to sell off the family silver. Now, since we have quite a lot of family silver still within state hands, uh, I'm sure there'd be a lot of people who'd be quite willing to move in there and, and take a share of that. But whether it's good in the long run, I certainly don't think so. And I think we need something radical. We're not going to get it. We may mm. possibly, and I think probably, get some extra investment to a degree. But around the world, we're facing a global, ongoing global economic crisis. It's not going to go away. Everyone will be grabbing what they can, where they can, and I think we do provide a good source of grabbing some more. Unfortunately, I think that it's not going to do much for the vast majority of our population who are actually well under the limit in terms of poverty mm. and who may well suffer even more. Mm. What do you think uh, the president should focus on when he delivers his address, um, Terry? Well, I think I can't say anything about that. I know mm. I can virtually, I think I could almost write the address myself because <laughs> I know what he would say. He said it at, at um, Samson, the same sort of thing that's been said before. We are open for business. Business should come here, invest with us because you can make lots of profits. We'll make it profitable for you. We'll make it productive, etc. It's the same old story. And the point is, I, what I'm trying to make as a main point is that we're talking about policies that applied to a world that no longer really exists, that there is a new world that is not on the cusp of, we've already moved into it. We have, for example, I don't know if you're aware, that uh, self-drive cars are now on the market. They've done millions of miles on public roads in the United States. Within 10 years, what's going to happen to all the drivers, the truck drivers, the taxi drivers, etc.? That's one aspect. You can go through all sorts of others, even journalists like myself. Fortune magazine, for example, their economic analysis is now done by algorithm. So we need to look at that coldly, clearly, and we need a government to take decisions which they will not take. And at the G20, I think the same thing will come forward. And we will, yes, get a lot of publicity about what wonderful investment, and there may be some investment. I don't think there'd be an awful lot, but it's not going to help us in the long run. Peter, I'll let you have the, 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 final, the final comment there. I mean, can the BRICS bloc take advantage of, of the current situation? And going forward, it sounds, you sound very confident and very positive about his, uh, the president's steps. So there is a silver lining there. 
sure, sure. I, I, I must say, Hello, Peter. Peter, can you hear me? Okay, it seems like we've lost Peter there. Terry, are you still with us? Hello, Terry. Okay, it seems like we've lost both our guests there, but fantastic discussion today. A fantastic discussion we had today with our panelist, Peter Lobscher, who's a consulting economist at the Bureau of Economic Research, and Terry Bell, who's a political, economic, and labor analyst. Now, that brings the time to 11.40. Let's have some music now, Diamonds on the Soles of Their Shoes by Ladysmith Black Mambazo. She got diamonds on the soles of her shoe. Awa awa diamonds on the soles of her shoe. Awa awa diamonds on the soles of her shoe. Awa awa diamonds on the soles of her shoe. Poor poor diamonds on the soles of her shoe.
they ended up by sleeping in a doorway By the bodegas and the lights on up a Broadway Wearing diamonds on the soles of their shoes And I can say And everybody here would know what I was talking about Everybody here would know exactly what I was talking about Talking about diamonds on the soles of their shoes I'm done. 